Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds. Our European champions. Hey, uh, BVB fans, welcome to episode number 24 of Believe in Borussia here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Leverkusen, the international break that brought a bunch of injuries and also a very interesting proposal from FIFA and Arsene Wenger. And we're introducing a Canadian fan club in today's fan interview segment. Yay! I'm also happy to announce that we have a winner of our fantastic giveaway. And thank you everyone for participating and dropping your favorite player into our comments. But our raffle app spat out a name and we will send this fantastic autograph set cross country to San Diego. Kim, congratulations. Royce was your choice and it was a lucky one apparently. Enjoy the autograph set and I hope you will find a special place for this set in your hopefully black and yellow household. And when we talk about winning, we have to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, because they have all the odds, props, and contests, and including a half a million dollar NFL mega contest. It's the biggest online, and they also have the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest that is open now at Bet Online. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive now your 100% welcome bonus. And I hope you had a chance to take advantage of opening day the Super Promo on the game of the reigning Super Bowl champions Buccaneers versus Dallas Cowboys. And if you lost, your wager would have been refunded up to $25 for new customers only with the promo code NFL100. That ship might have sailed by the time you hear this, but nevertheless, Bet Online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, the international break this September was a bit of a nightmare for head coach Marco Rosa because half the squad was gone, and then you watch from afar as one after another is going down. Royce, Meunier, Witzel, Reina, they all had to end their trip prematurely and return to Dortmund. Royce looked very good for Germany. He was fantastic against Armenia, very dynamic, scored a goal, but he encountered some knee issues and didn't suit up for the final game versus Iceland and again returned to Dortmund. Witzland Meunier also left the Belgium camp early. Meunier apparently has muscular problems and I have no idea what's happening with Witzel. He was released along with Carrasco and Courtois to travel to distant Kazan in Russia for their game and return to Dortmund. So whether that's due to an injury 
or part of his rehab to pause him because he is still recovering from his ACL tear. I have no idea. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. What is pretty clear is the situation of one Giovanni Reyna. And Gio became the second youngest American to start a World Cup qualifier. Alas, in a pretty dire goalless draw against El Salvador. And even that point came at a pretty high price for him. He encountered a thigh injury that's going to keep him out for weeks. We're looking at maybe coming back for the next international window. And I hope he doesn't travel again. And maybe even later, you know how it goes with BVB. You don't hear injury updates and then the deadlines get pushed back further and further and further. And who would have thought that flying halfway around the world wasn't very conducive to, you know, players' health, especially after missing already parts of training camp in the summer due to playing the Nations League with the US in June. It's just very unfortunate and it's going to hurt him and Borussia Dortmund because while the club has one option less in their attack, Gio Reyna was also deemed to take the next step and become a more regular fixture in the starting 11 and play more minutes this year. And this is not. One silver lining in this international break was Mukuku, who is now a fixture of the rewamped German under-21 team as he scored three times in only two games for the reigning Euro champions and got them off to a good start. It's so important for him to get minutes right now, get playing time, get a good feeling and continue to find the back of the net. And if you're interested in watching, the German FA actually streamed these games on YouTube and I'm pretty sure you can watch the real life there as well. So see Mukuku in action. This boy has tremendous upside and he just knows where the goal is. And hopefully he can prove that more consistently for Borussia Dortmund this season as well. So FIFA used this rather unpopular break of their fragmented international calendar to get on record and offer a Trojan horse, offering less breaks, but proposing holding the World Cup every two years in return. And I think this is getting quite serious. They had a lot of support from outside of Europe at the Congress, where the feasibility study for a two-year World Cup was proposed. And those are the majority of votes in FIFA and it is FIFA. It's more money, it's more power over international soccer and the continental confederations. Just think Club World Cup for example. And they've been beating their PR drum and getting the topic into the news, getting ex-players and stars to promote the idea and leading the charge is good old Arsene Wenger. He's the head of global development at soccer at FIFA and his equation is rather simple. He proposes less qualification games and wants to give the fans more knockout games with the two-year World Cup because he says that's what the fans want. He's partially right. Less disruptions are something that a lot of fans want and the players and clubs definitely would like to have longer breaks, but not a World Cup every two years. His proposal is pretty simple. There are two long breaks, one month in October, to meet up for the national teams, play like seven games or something like that and qualify or not qualify for the upcoming tournament. And then the second window will be in the summer for playing the actual tournament. According to him, it would reduce travel and the disruption of the calendar and just be going with the times. The only problem is 
those big knockout games, well, games become less valuable when you have more. Just think of the Copa America. There have been so many Copas lately. Who outside Argentina really cared at this point? It feels like they held one every year until Messi finally won something. Part of the charm of the World Cup is its scarcity. It's a true once-in-a-lifetime moment for players and a very special moment for fans. I think it's at a decent point between constantly happening where it's almost deflated and almost never where it's too rare. Which fans is he talking about anyway? The watch anything guys that turn on to the Timber games on Saturday morning because nothing else is on? Are those really the fans we're trying to please? Because I think a big majority of the rest of the fans are like, hell no. There is the actor fans. You know the ones that actually populate the World Cup and bring it to life in the stadiums. And fan groups from six confederations have just strongly rejected the idea. They called it, and I quote, Such a move threatens to destroy the already fragile balance between local, domestic, continental and international competitions and calendars. In particular, it will devalue and endanger the established competitions run by various confederations' competitions. You can read the whole statement online and this sounds a little political, but just look at it from a practical side. It takes money and time to prepare to travel and take vacation, but since it's a highlight and it's only every four years, it's a little easier to make these sacrifices. Now try telling your partner and your kids that every other summer is basically off the books now because you're going to have to be taking that vacation, taking that money and trying to fly halfway around the world. Your time and cost basically doubles if you're really into supporting your team around the world. You could already see it at some World Cups or Euros, for example, or other international competitions that outside the host nation, the interest locally is rather low and they depend on people traveling internationally there. But again, if it's like every other year, are you really spending thousands of dollars to fly there, book hotels, travel around the country, this, that? It is a little overwhelming, I think. And the teams are clearly against it. I don't think they trust FIFA to really dial down games and the associations and leagues in Europe, which are the other major bodies in world soccer outside FIFA, are strongly opposing it too. Granted, it's a little hypocritical considering that UEFA just blew up the Champions League, added another competition and the clubs use their free time in the summer usually to travel halfway around the world to do promo tours. But at the end of the day, no one outside FIFA or maybe say parts of the Asian Confederation that probably could care less about the Asian Cup and maybe even Common Bowl, which have already blown up competitions like the Copa every other year and then they have Apertura and Clausura and a title here and a title there. There's still a lot of pushback. Personally, I'm also not a fan of a two-year World Cup. If it ain't broken, why fix it? All the other stuff that's getting crammed down our throats, Nation League, Confed Cup, Club World Cup, all these things that are also partially FIFA-initiated will become even less interesting and valuable. Take a cue from the NFL and how they, despite having the most popular product, are fiercely guarding their calendar, only very reluctantly adding games to it. And they rule the land with it. On the other end of the spectrum is baseball, for example, which went the FIFA route, 
more games, more actions, more, 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 and has empty stadiums and only a few hardcore fans following it for like half of the season. So leave the World Cup as it is. Give me Euros, give me Copa, give me some of that other stuff in between. That's fine. Don't overdo it. In our quest to bring fans closer across North America by sharing their stories, sharing the fan club stories and how they got started building their communities to paint a better black and yellow picture, I am very happy that today I will speak to a Canadian representative for the very first time because there is also a great community up north and without further ado, let's hear about it, oh Canada. Welcome, Mila, from Canada today, our first fan club from Canada. So, Mila, why don't you start with just giving a quick introduction to yourself and then we want to talk about your fandom and obviously the fan club you represent as well. Okay, I'm, I'm Mila Holtauer from a small village in Ontario. I recently moved to the Toronto area and... Um, I was just desperate to look for some more Dortmund fans, so decided to start a club. That's the short hand of it. That is the very short end of it. Let's let's go into a sort of medium to longer version of it. And I have to ask, a small village, Ontario, Canada, how do you become a Dortmund fan there? It was more of by chance and a gradual progression, where it's... Um, we never really had access to German footy in um, in Canada, really. And at one point in the beginning of my life, we uh, we used to see soccer matches with with um, commercials in between the halves. So they'd break it up, and and it just it was a terrible terrible way to be a fan of of the sport. So eventually, that just kind of went by the wayside, and then I, I ended up getting a, a job at a um 24-hour soccer channel called uh, Pool TV Canada, which is unfortunate, but it's not there anymore. And mm. that's where I, I was introduced to um, Dortmund. I actually remember my very first day. That was the first match that I saw. I remember the exact moment, the exact camera angle of just a beautiful shot of the uh, yellow wall. I just remember being completely flabbergasted by it all. And it was just the culture of it. And unfortunately, that was in 2006, 2007. So the team really wasn't doing too well. So it was definitely the atmosphere that kind of drew me in. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm researching them and I'm, I'm watching them constantly. And I ended up switching jobs, but that job acquired the channel. So they brought the channel over and was telling all these people about this team and then the atmosphere and the history of it. and Eventually, at one point, one of my coworkers was like, oh, you must be happy your team's playing like my team. And he's like, aren't you, isn't that your favorite team? And it just dawned on me like, holy, <laughs> it just happened so naturally that uh, Dortmund became my favorite team. Well, that's a great story. And um, it's always so fascinating to hear that 
I guess there's just certain elements that travel so well, like that image of the fans or the yellow wall in that particular case. And yeah, 2006, 2007, there was some mediocre years to dire years for sure. So that wasn't fandom for the flamboyance of it. That's very interesting. So you're basically professionally um, got introduced. And then even though 15 years ago was a long time ago, I suppose there was already, at least there was Wikipedia and, and, and was there even YouTube? Were you able to watch YouTube clips or where did you get your information from? Primarily just, uh, you know, the, the team website and, and Wiki. And uh, that's, that's how I started. But uh, working at the network, um, I was able to watch the matches every week. So I, I, that's where I got a lot of my knowledge from was from the commentators and, and just watching. Oh, well, I guess they would have to do their homework too and provide you with information, right? Yeah, I would hope so. So fast forward a little bit. I, I assume that job also didn't take place in the small village anymore. No. So you're going to a bigger place and then how you go from there to finding other Dortmund fans in Canada? That was my chance. I um, I just went on Facebook one day and I searched out of curiosity and I found a Toronto supporters page. and. I, I remember messaging them going, wait, 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 I'm not the only one who's a big fan of this team. And he was like, nope. And um, that's that's how it started. And unfortunately, about a year or two later after that, um, the original founder of that page disappeared and I woke up to be the new administrator. So that's how that part started. And after after a little bit of time of just wondering what I should do and growing that page, I got a little frustrated with the fact that nobody was interacting with each other. They were mostly interacting with myself. So that's when we started hmm. the actual group so that people could interact with each other a lot better. Okay. And uh, timing-wise, when was that? March 2019 is when I started the group, but it took a few months to get started um, until, I'd say, end of July um, with the last U.S. tour when they came to Seattle. Um, I went to the meet and greet to meet Ladenfella and Patrick, and it was it was great. But as I was sitting there, a little pamphlet for the international fan club came across me, and I put a message out, and everybody said, "Why is this a question? Of course, sign up!" And within within an hour, I had enough people to officially sign up for the official status in the very first club in Canada. That is very cool. Congratulations. And, you know, just for the record, what's the name of your fan club? <laughs> Canadians. Awesome. It sounds like you have a very strong online community. Do you also regularly meet? Do you have a bar where you go to? Or is it like bouncing around from member to member? How does that work? Well, it's a bit complicated because unfortunately with COVID and just being more of a national group because... Um, Most, a lot of our members started showing up around that time in, in 2019 from all corners of the country. And that's why we switched to being Canadians instead of just Toronto. So Got it. we did have a large online presence at one point, some just Zoom parties, but we also have um, a little chat group. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to gather because of COVID, but we did at one point go to a place called the Dog and Bear on Queen Street in Toronto. It's um, it's home to a couple other small clubs. I think West Ham is there as well, but they've plenty of TVs, plenty of space, and uh, fairly easy to access. So 
hopefully we'll be back there soon as soon as we're able to gather in groups. Yeah, that's definitely another huge challenge in addition to just the logistical aspect of, you know, the size of Canada. I mean, it's a ginormous country. So yeah, yeah trying to get people from, I don't know, Vancouver and Montreal and Toronto together is, is quite a task. Well, I can see that. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what my main goal was, or one of my two main goals, which was to start chapters in different corners. So I have a database with people where they live, different pubs that air the matches so that hopefully we can start groups elsewhere, but keep a core base together because we're stronger together and we'll create more of a presence because I, my ultimate goal was to get Dortmund to play in Canada. It'll be the first Bundesliga team to have ever played in Canada. So I'm going for it. <laughs> That's a great goal to have. Um, and yeah, can you please make it like Toronto? Because it's close to New York. <laughs> yeah, no well, close, closer than Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. um, how often do you congregate then? You, you mentioned you have Zoom parties. Is it just like casually, everybody just sort of like, you know, drops a note here and there on, I don't know, WhatsApp and Facebook, or do you relink up? And how can people join and, you know, get in touch with you if they want to um, be part of the BBB Canadians? Well, we do have Zoom parties uh, occasionally, not so much anymore, but uh, everybody's very active on a, on a messenger chat together. And uh, we tend to meet up for the big matches. Um, we were organizing a, a gathering with a couple other fan clubs of different Bundesliga teams. And uh, unfortunately, that got cut. So right now, we, uh, we're, we're just going to stick with online for the time being. But if you need to or you want to get a, a hold of us, you can message myself or um, Jarrett, our other administrator, or um, you can go to the Toronto page and um, we, we'll We'll get in touch there as well. Cool. So, and again, just for the record, I assume Facebook is your medium of choice. Yeah, primarily Facebook. Um, we're we're looking to expand into more active, active um, Instagram and Twitter as well. But uh, unfortunately, I'm a little bit busy with work, so haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, it's always that life stuff coming in between the soccer stuff. I know <laughs> it's terrible. How dare it! <laughs> Well, um, I don't know, just to wrap up, is there something you want to share? Like a, you have an anecdote or like a cool moment within the fan club or within the community that other Dortmund fans should know about? I think one of our, our biggest draws I, I, I would like to boast about is that we have a very, Please. very inclusive um, environment, uh, you know, a lot of respect because I noticed a lot of, of pages can be uh, quite negative so we we invite all sorts of people from different areas we have some american friends including people in North, new york state and um john in florida he told me to say hi so hi john um so it's it's a very welcoming place for for people who are maybe a little more intimidated by some of the more fanatic pages so um I, I just wanted to boast about that. So if, if you're looking for a, a nice, calm place to discuss it or to be, you know, very, very uh, positive about the team, um, then come join us, come talk to us. I love that. And, you know, because it's in the spirit, you know, with the club, you know, when it says Borussia Dortmund unites women and men of all nations, 
and you know in generation that that is the spirit that i think the club should stand for and you know its fan base should stand for and yes on some of these social media channels and i talked about it with another canadian uh, borussia dortmund fan josh uh like twitter for example can get quite toxic so i think that's a very good thing to boast about and uh you know very happy to hear yeah that you created this positive space uh, because it should at the end of the day you know be something that gives us positive energy yeah absolutely i mean you could be disappointed with the team but uh, there's no slander there's no hate against each other you can have different opinions but i'm quite proud of our group and how we've managed to maintain that awesome well thank you so much this was very interesting um you know getting a little insight into the bbb canadians mila um yeah thank you for taking time this was great and um Yeah, all the best to the Great White North. <laughs> Thank you. Borussia Dortmund versus Bayer Leverkusen. Hmm, tricky one. It's a touchy topic because we are relatively critical here on this podcast when it comes to corporate club and Bayer Leverkusen, as the name indicates, is a corporate club. Bayer being the pharmaceutical giant that you probably know from Aspirin or that costly takeover of US-based Monsanto. These days, Bayer apparently pumps less money into the club than, say, Wolfsburg or Red Bull. Nevertheless, I don't think they would be competing for Champions League these days if Bayer hadn't spent some big bucks back in the days and getting guys like Bern Schuster, Rudy Völler, Lucio, Michael Ballack, Zero Roberto, and so on. I think the natural ceiling for a team like Leverkusen is more limited than that and just look how they struggle to fill their stadium look at the tv ratings of league games and even international games it's not exactly a greatly supported club that said they have been around for a long time and you have to consider purpose and intent here too they were founded by blue collar workers their own factory workers of buyer in 1904 and the soccer department followed in 1907, I think. Basically, a bunch of their workers that loved the sport so much that they wanted to play it more as their gigantic employer to support them. And that simply doesn't sound as evil or cynical as some of the other upstarts which are either ego padding for a billionaire or a marketing tool for a sugar drink. And Wolfsburg probably falls somewhere in between of that in terms of being a works team that also started from employees of Volkswagen. However, Volkswagen in the last 10, 20 years thinking like, hey, this is a great marketing vehicle. We should pump more money into this and make the club more successful. But again, looking at Leverkusen, it's a very organic situation, at least in the beginning. They are workers. They have tough working conditions, hard physical labor. They want to exercise more. 
the company wants to support that to uphold health and fitness. And why wouldn't they get together on that? It makes sense. And it happens all the time here as well. You would ask your company for support to, for your rec baseball league or basketball or something like that. And your company normally supports that. But again, there is a natural ceiling to this, which I think in the very, very best case with a little bit support from the company is maybe like third division, second. And that's where the club spent most of its history. In the lower divisions, they only made it to the Bundesliga in 1980, and they have stayed there since. So by the end of the 1980s, Bayer Leverkusen was already a top team. They had won the UEFA Cup in dramatic fashion. They came from behind 3-0 to win on penalties in 1988, um, which back then also was a more coveted trophy which back then was also a more coveted trophy than it is today, to be honest. They also won the German Cup in 93, and that's about it. Ironically, with the club raising its profile and getting more and more renowned players, they also have developed in a different direction on winning things into what we call these days Weisskusen, Vizekusen, or Lusekusen, also very popular in Germany. After their manager icon, Rainer Kalmund, took over the reins in the late 80s, he started first raiding East Germany after the wall came down for soccer players and he pretty much signed anyone he could find, including club icons like Andreas Thom and Ulf Kirsten, for example. Then he established a Brazilian talent pipeline and started unearthing world-class players like Roberto, Lucio, Paulo Sergio, Emerson and so on. Nevertheless, the team became more knowing for choking, for example in the season final of 2000. Leverkusen was leading the table by three points on the final match day and they had a very, very favorable final match to play, traveling to newly promoted Unterhaching, which are currently I think a fourth division side. In the 99-2000 season, Unterhaching I think had played their maiden season in the Bundesliga and they were already saved at that point, so they had nothing to play for, and it was all party. Still, the Leverkusen players were shitting their pants, playing like absolute crap, and went behind on a terrible own goal by Michael Ballack. And as you know, you don't have to ask Bayern Munich twice to accept gifts, so Bayern went ahead in their game, and Leverkusen choked some more, got scored on again, and then lost the league on the final match day on goal difference. But I think their magnus opus of choking was the 2002 season when they managed to lose the Champions League final to Madrid. Okay, that can happen when, you know, Zinedine Zidane is in the prime of his career and fires in volley rockets from outside the box. But they also lost the German Cup final and they squandered away the league title, losing two of their final three games and conceding the title to yours truly as Borussia Dortmund wrestled away the league championship on the final match day with a win against Werder Bremen while Leverkusen lost. And to add insult to injury, the German players on their team like Michael Ballack and Bernd Schneider, they also came in second at that year's World Cup in Japan, losing to Brazil in the final. Four times second. That's a pretty tough blow. And after that season, Leverkusen patented actually Vizekusen, Weisskusen, 
which was a common moniker for Leverkusen in Germany at the time. I mean, who does that? I'm sure they thought it was like super clever um, and smart and maybe they just wanted to protect other people from using it. But talk about building culture. I mean, would you call your company not try so hard studies or half-ass is okay cooperation? It just sends such a weird message to the player and to the fans. And in addition to their bland flair, which the club tries to veil as family-friendly, they also seem to have established a culture that is kind of cuddly but not very demanding. It's a little bit like Arsenal, just without sinking so much money on average players. But it yields the same kind of results. They fail to consistently reach their potential. They can beat good teams on a given day, but then they also squander away opportunities whenever they arise and yeah, just don't have that bite um, that you would think a team like that should or could have. And, you know, being a Dortmund supporter, you obviously have your fair share of what-if moments and the team not living up to its billing, but Leverkusen takes that to a whole different dimension. Leverkusen and Dortmund have crossed swords a bunch of times, 90 games actually. Dortmund has beaten Leverkusen 38 times, lost 30, and there were some remarkable matches for sure. I for one remember very well the 97 home game after the winter break. It was the first game back. Um, I think people were second-guessing Borussia Dortmund's ambition and whether the defending champions at this time were still in the league race to go for the triple, and many believed they were not. And then came Andy Müller and had one of his better games of his career in the Borussia Dortmund shirt. He equalized um, an early goal from Leverkusen with his head and put the game to bed in the second half with a thundering monster shot from 25 to 30 yards out to make it 3-1 in the waning minutes of the game. And I think the game was broadcasted on regular national TV. And then announced Borussia Dortmund back into the title race in front of a rocking Westfalenstadion. I also very vividly remember, for example, the season opener in 2010, a 0-2 home defeat. And it was remarkable because there was quite a bit of hype and hope around Dortmund going into the season. It was club's third season. They were coming off a fifth place finish and for the first time in a while they had qualified for Europe through that. And the young, improving team had a bunch of new and interesting signings. There were these two Polish kids, for example. The one was a bit better known. It was called Lukas Piszczek. You'd already seen him play it at Hertha. Seemed to be a good player, not necessarily setting the world on fire. And then there was this other dude that no one had really ever heard of or seen playing. A certain young striker by the name of Robert Lewandowski. Um, the headlines, though, were the back and forth with his Polish club over the eventual, I think, 4.5 million transfer fee, which was a ton of money for Borussia Dortmund back then, and it went on the whole summer. So finally, signs. Then they also add this Japanese kid, Kagawa Shinji, from the second Japanese division. Obviously, I've never seen him play before either, and it sounded all very interesting. And the feeling was, you know, with that club optimism, if everything goes well really well, then Borussia Dortmund can maybe make it back to the Champions League. But for that, 
the team would have to beat a direct competitor like Leverkusen at that time for a Champions League spot, especially in a home game, which was the Borussia Dortmund Fortress. I already said the team lost and the critics and haters came crawling out the woodworks, doubting clubs, doubting the quality of the players, doubting the scouting. Only that Borussia Dortmund would go on to not drop another home game the rest of the season. And they lifted their first German championship since 2002, playing with a bunch of kids, with homegrown heroes like Nuri Schein, Kevin Großkreuz, or dudes from the Polish league and the second Japanese division. So the loss must have triggered something in that team that made him a juggernaut this season. And another milestone game on the road to set title was the away game of that season to Leverkusen. After the home defeat, there was obviously some unfinished business for Borussia Dortmund, but more importantly, Leverkusen were tied with Mainz for second place, 10 points behind Borussia Dortmund. So a win by Borussia Dortmund would knock them pretty much out of the race for the title, while a loss would make things interesting again, and people were wondering if a young team like that would be able to withstand the pressure or succumb to it if Leverkusen and behind them even Bayern Munich would make a push for the first spot of the league. Well, just like 1997, it was the opener to the second half of the season. I'm not quite sure if it was broadcasted on national TV, but it was a big game nevertheless right after the break, Friday night lights, right after the winter break, Friday night lights, with the first half that saw a lot of back and forth and a nil-nil. But then came Kevin Großkreuz, and the young Dortmund man had one of his best moments of the season, scoring a brace before Götze made it 3-0, and the result turned an already jubilant BBB fanbase, which were surfing on a wave of unprecedented team success into an absolute nuthouse on Leverkusen. Kevin Großkreuz running into the stands after scoring, celebrating with the fans, the dudes that he stood with shoulder to shoulder in the block not too long ago himself was a great moment. And by dispatching their biggest challenger to the title away in such convincing fashion, 3-0 sent a clear signal around the land. These kids are for real. So there have been great matches with Leverkusen just by virtue of them being in the Bundesliga for the last 40 years. However... They are also the reason that teams like Hoffenheim, Leipzig, Wolfsburg can exist and play in the league these days because the Lex Leverkusen was created to sanction the buyer involvement into the club. And that's part of the truth as well. And it leaves a bit of a sour taste. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Believe in Borussia presented by Bet Online. For next week, we have a great exclusive interview for you. I've pulled all my strings to get Svenja Schlenker, the general manager of the newly formed Borussia Dortmund women's team, to give us a long and super interesting interview in English. It's an absolute must listen for fans of the game, for fans of the club. Really looking forward to it. And until then... A black and yellow shout-out across America. They've done it! Incredible! Unbelievable! Astonishing! Goldman Gatsis! Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.